You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, that in everything he will be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace. By the blood of the cross, him we proclaim. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seat in front of you. Um, and you can grab that one, take it home with you if you don't have one, or we can help you get one uh, later. Uh, if you didn't pick up a booklet, you can get one on the way out. We've provided these booklets that just kind of give you a, just a big picture of where we're going next week, a little memory verse for each week. I want you to use that as a tool. No, don't try, to, try not to take one like a new one every week. It's not like a bulletin. It's like something you put in your Bible and bring back next week. So I um, just want that to be a resource for you and your groups. Write down thoughts, questions, come back, visit it during the week. Um, just to, our goal, remember, we gather to equip so that we grow into our five core values, our specs, and then we go and we be the church. We don't do church, we are the church, and so we go live as the church in Savannah and beyond. So this is the gathering to uh, equip piece, and we want this to be an equipping uh, time for us as a church. There is a, a doorway in, one, in, in our house, it's actually the doorway in the laundry room, um, that's It's special. It's not special because it's bigger or wider or it's made differently. It's special because it has little marks on, on the, right on the, on the, really on the outside of it with little names and little dates. And this doorway marks the growth of our kids. Uh, and we, as if, uh, growth, it means a lot to our family. Uh, height means big things. I, you know, I mark myself on there. I'm still hoping to hit my growth spurt. I'm 45 now, so I'm thinking God has a sense of humor, maybe one of these days. Um, but, you know, there's little marks. Trip, April 2016. And then, you know, and Sam and Susu and, and all these things. And people often come up to me, oh, your kids are getting taller than you are now. And I'm like, that doesn't mean nothing. That's not, that's not, not really a big win for anybody, okay? That's just not hard. Um, but there is something that is exciting about growth. When one of my kids says, hey, can we go, can we go do measure? Go to the, I'm like, yeah. Now we have rules to take off the shoes because shoes give you an extra inch and we don't want to lie. We don't want to lie to ourselves. We want to be honest, right? But is there something exciting when you can mark a new line, right? Not just height-wise. When your kids grow in some areas, when for the first time they, they're able to swim without the swimmies, right? Or, or they ride their bike without the training wheels or you know, they get their driver's license, whatever it is. When there's growth, that's, that's something we celebrate, right? That's something that brings us joy. When you accomplish something you couldn't before. I remember the first time I could touch the ceiling in my parents' den. It was only a seven-foot ceiling, but it was a big, significant event, right, for me, right? That it's, it's something that brings joy as parents and to us. And, and the same is true in the spiritual realm, that we have a, a Father in heaven who desires his children to grow, Right? He, he wants it and he celebrates it just like we do. But unlike in the physical realm where you just grow because it's kind of naturally, except if you're a fowler, then you don't, right? But in the spiritual realm, growth is not just happen. It doesn't just take place just because you get older, sadly. And so what we wanna ask today is, if our father wants us to grow, how does that happen? And then what we're gonna see is in this text, there's actually, there's measurables, there's, God has a doorway and he's got little marks and little lines for us to see and to celebrate. And so what we're gonna see is, what are those measurables of growth? How do I know I've been growing? What do I look back to? 
And how does that take place? That's what we're gonna look, what, as, look at today as we look at our next passage in Colossians chapter one. We're just gonna cover five little verses, verses nine through 14. And what we saw last week, if you're visiting new, forget, whatever, we're sleeping, all those things. Uh, Paul was in house arrest in Rome. It's about 60, 61 AD. And he gets a knock on the door one day and it's one of his buddies that he won to Jesus back in Ephesus back in 54, 55 AD. And this guy's name was Epaphras. And Epaphras had got one to Jesus by, by Paul in Ephesus. And then he had gone home to, to Colossae and he had started a church. He just started telling people about Jesus and people get saved. And then there's a church. Paul himself had never been to Colossae, right? And so they hear, oh, this guy, Paul, the guy that won you, Epaphras, he's in jail. And so they send Epaphras. He goes to, to be an encouragement, maybe to bring a care package, whatever, to the apostle Paul. And he just fills him in. And all the stuff has been taking place in Colossae for the last five years, six years of this church plan. And one of the things he says is, hey, there's these dudes who have kind of crept into the church and they're starting to teach these, these, these things. And it's kind of given some confusion. They're teaching that if you want to be a good Christian, a fruitful Christian, not a fruit loop, as we talked about last week, that you gotta keep the rules. You gotta do all the good things. You gotta be nice, 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 nice. Good, 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 good. Jewish law, Jewish law, Jewish law. And there's this other group that's like, now you real, what you really need is this deep mystical knowledge that only a few people get, this mystery. There's mysteries that you don't really know. Jesus is kind of entry level, but what you really need is this mysterious, deep experience, worship of angels, all these other things. And what Paul is saying is none of that. Let me tell you what you need. You need Jesus. Him we proclaim. This is a book about the sufficiency and the exaltation of Jesus and how he is enough and why that matters to our life. And so he writes this letter to encourage them and to correct them, even though they're a good church. And, and for us, we're just saying, what difference does it make uh, that Christ is enough, right? Because we want to proclaim him. And that's the idea. And so we saw Paul praying for them last week. He was thankful because they had been faithful and they, they had faith in Christ, a simple faith. They had love for each other. They had a hope in the gospel. And today that prayer continues. And what we're gonna see is the, the answer to our question, how do we grow and what are the measurables, right? What does it look like when we are growing? So let's just jump right in, right? Verse nine. And so from the day we heard it, Heard what? Heard about your faith, heard about your love, heard about your hope. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Now remember, he doesn't know these folks, they don't know him. I mean, you could understand if he's praying for Ephesus or Corinth or Galatia or Philippi or Thessalonica, he's got a relationship with them. He's never met these folks. But yet he says, hey, we are praying for y'all. Constantly, not ceasing Got nothing but time here in house arrest, so we're praying for you. And, and let me just say, how, how encouraging it is, and this happens to me a lot, I don't know if it happens to you, maybe it's just because of, of where I'm at and, and my role here, but where people come up and say, hey, I've been thinking about y'all and I prayed for y'all this week. I mean, that's a good thing. That's an encouraging thing. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said that, that no man can do me a truer kindness in this world, tend to pray for me. Because we, we, we live in the South now. So, so there's a, there is this sense where you come up to someone, you know, they find out your kid's sick, your kid went off to college, and they're like, I'm praying for you. And that means I'm Southern and I feel where you're at, right? That's what it means. It doesn't actually mean that they're praying often. It just means I'm Southern, right? And I wish there was a test for us to say, when someone says, I'm praying for you. You said, really? Let's go before God on that. Do you, you, really, are you praying for me? If you're gonna say you're gonna pray for someone, please do. Otherwise, just shut up. Don't tell them you're gonna pray for them. Because they don't do no good unless you are. But this idea that he's praying. And here's the beauty of this. Anybody can do this. Anybody can pray. We've made prayer in the church sometimes this, this thing, well, this is for the mature. It, this is this. Well, when Fowler comes to, a, to someone's dinner, guess who gets to pray for dinner? I get to pray because when I pray for your food, it's healthier, right? And and it tastes better, and the carbohydrates and the fat content go down because I've prayed, right? Because I have a master's in theology, so I can pray. That's what we've made prayer in the South. And if if prayer is just talking to God, then you don't need a master's in King James English. You don't have to drop to your knees. You don't have to, you know, have Romans memorized 
backwards and in Latin. You know what you can do? You know what you need? You just need time. You just need time. It doesn't even have to be long. So we don't have to have long-winded prayers. No one, quite honestly, wants to listen to long-winded prayers. I doubt God wants to listen sometimes to long-winded prayers. Most of the prayers you see in Scripture, you can read them in less than a minute, by the way. The Lord's prayer is like 15 seconds, right? The idea is, your buddy says, hey man, we're, like my, child, my kid's driving to college, going to college in Mississippi, it's like eight hours. You're like, man, I'm gonna pray for that. Lord, I pray for old Johnny as he goes off to Mississippi. May he repent for going to the University of Mississippi, but then get him there safely, right? That's, that's like 15 seconds. So-and-so says, my wife has surgery this week. We just, you know, just letting you guys know. Lord, I pray for the doctors as they operate, give them wisdom, make this successful. In Jesus' name, boom. That's real simple. That's all, that, that's, that anybody can do that. You can do that, right? In fact, if you're looking for a way to serve this church and get plugged in, so to speak, start there. I'm not saying don't go anywhere else, but start there and start praying. And if you're like, what should I pray? Pray this prayer. You're allowed, you know, you're allowed to copy prayers. You're not allowed to copy math homework. You can copy prayers. And you should copy the prayers of scripture because they're great. You're looking to pray something for your kids. You're looking to pray something for this church, your future spouse, your in-laws, your roommate, your community group, whatever, steal this one. I'm not saying it's the only thing you pray. I pray for my kids. Lord, help them to get the scholarship, protect them while he drives, fill them with the knowledge of your will according to all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Pray this, because when you pray, when you ask anything according to God's will, the apostle John says, he hears you. He hears, this is a prayer that God desires for his church. This is the prayer that God desires for us. So let's unpack it, all right? He says, I haven't ceased to pray. And we're gonna start at 30,000 feet and then we're gonna work down a little bit. So he says this, verse nine. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This, we're gonna come back and see, is the, is the how we grow, right? He's praying, this is the how we'll see. Here's the why, verse 10. This is the point. He said, this is why I'm praying. See the word so as in the original is an infinitive of a purpose. So this is the point of his prayer, that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That's the goal, fully pleasing to him. That's what, he said, I'm praying that y'all are walking worthy. That's, that's the goal of this prayer, that you will be pleasing to him. And then he's gonna give four measurables, and they're in a form of what we call participles, which for those who dropped out of seventh grade English, it's just a verbal noun. That it's defining what he says to walk worthy. And so he gives four of them in the next section, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance and patience, and then giving thanks, with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of saints of life. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. We'll come back and look at that. But let's start at the goal. What is he praying for? That they would ultimately walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. This is the goal, right? This is, the, this is what it looks like. So first thing, the idea of walking. A walk is what? It's just a step by step. It's one foot in front of the other. Step, walk. And it's a metaphor for your life. Day by day, step by step, wake up, drink your coffee, drink more coffee, eat your Wheaties, take kids to school, go to work, take a 15-minute break, take a lunch, take another 15-minute break, go pick up the kids, come home and make mac and cheese or cereal for dinner, put the kids to bed, finally get a minute to rest, wake up. That's a day by day. That's, that's a step by step. He's saying, in your life, whatever it is, and the beauty is he doesn't define your walk, your life. It's wherever God has you, right? It, whatever God has put you in this season. And you have to remind yourself, by the way, for some of us who are like, well, my, my life is insignificant. It doesn't really mean anything. No, that, that is untrue. If God has you there, you're not just a stay-at-home mom. You're not just a 15-hour-a-week receptionist. You're not just a student at Savannah Arts. You're not just a just a just a anything. If this is where God has you, this is your walk. And wherever your walk is, he says, walk worthy day by day. The word worthy is the Greek word axios. 
and it, and it means to carry the weight at its basic form, right? The idea is this, and I've used this illustration before because Paul uses it so often in his letters. In, in Ephesians, he uses it in Philippians, he talks about walking worthy of your calling. He talks about worthy of the, walking worthy of the gospel. Here it's worthy of the Lord. The idea is this, you remember those old timey scales kind of, you know, where you put the weight on one side and what happens? Boom, kind of goes down. Right, the word oxios or worthy means to balance out the scale. This is what you've been given in Jesus. Boom. Now, live that out in a way that is worthy of oxios. That, that's the idea of, of growth. Grow. Boom, you've been given this. Now, grow. Right, this, is, this is who you are. This is your position. Remember, position drives practice. That's the idea. So when I was at the Citadel... We had a discipline uh, for someone, a con- conduct unbecoming of a cadet. Some of you in the military, you have conduct becoming an officer, whatever. So there may or may not have been an event my junior year involving a, a general and an orange and a bunch of rowdy cadets where I was accused of being conduct unbecoming of a cadet. May have, may not, you'll never know. May have been disciplined for that, I don't know, I don't remember. But... The idea was, in the, in the Citadel's eyes, you've been given this. Boom, you're a cadet. It's a high calling, supposedly. So you, you're supposed to balance that out now. You're supposed to walk in a manner worthy of wearing the uniform. And that's what Paul is saying. You wanna know, you wanna know uh, what growth is? Growth is walking worthy. I want you to grow. I want you to, and then he says, pleasing to him, fully pleasing to him. Some of us, again, have this idea of God that he is this, this angry dad. And maybe it's because your dad was an angry dad. Or maybe your dad left. So you feel like God is a, is a father who just doesn't care or whatever. You have some father wounds from whatever happened. But we have this view of God who is sitting in heaven with like a lightning bolt in one hand and a magnifying glass in the other. And he's just waiting for you to run that stoplight or let that foul word come out of your mouth or do that lustful glance. And he's just going to all of a sudden just boom. Told you so. That's our view. That he's just waiting to smoke us. And it says here, Paul's saying, no, no, walk in a manner that's worthy because it's pleasing to him. You have the ability to please your heavenly father. You have a father who desires for you to grow. He doesn't want you to stay stale and stagnant. He doesn't want you to stay three foot two. He wants you to grow, right? And and this is because if you are in Christ, And Clint talked about this a few weeks ago. If your position drives your practice, if you are in Christ, when God the Father sees you, who does he see? He sees Christ. What does he say of his own son? This is my beloved son in whom I am pleased. God is not just angry God waiting for his kids to smoke them. He desires for you to grow. He's he's longing for that. It brings him joy. We went down to uh, Orlando last year and my youngest trip, God bless trip. He's he's got my genes. I mean, they all have my genes, but he's got them in spades, right? He's like me. He's the tiny one. And so we get in there and there's a couple of roller coasters in there. And you know the dreaded sign, you must be this tall to ride this, this ride which I think is just evil and wicked. You're gonna take $100 from me and you won't let me ride everything? That's wrong. Okay, but I'm like, all right, so I, told, I coached him up. I said, oh, buddy, when we get up to the, to the little thing, I said, you need to get on your tippy toes. You need to put your head up as best you can. We're, yes, we will lie to get in. We have paid this much money. We will lie. And so, so he said, okay. So we go up and, this, and we get up there and it's just like teenage gal. So I'm like, we got this. She's, she don't really care. She's making eight bucks an hour. She could care less. And so I said, all right, buddy, go up there. She, he went up there like this. I went, boop. And then we just, I said, come on, let's just run. Let's go. Don't even let her say anything. And we run in and then we're like, yes, we did it. We beat the system. And then we get to the front of the line and it starts raining and they close the ride. <laughs> and then we went back later and the other one, the other girl was large strict. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. She wouldn't let him go. And I was like, you are evil woman. But the idea is I wanted my son to enjoy the roller coaster. I wanted him to be tall enough. I just wanted him to experience it. If I do, that's what God wants for his children. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be taller, right? And when we are, it brings him joy. It brings him delight. 
Just like as a dad, when my kids, again, when, when something happens, and I'm like, man, when my oldest got his license, he would lose his keys and his wallet and his, and his debit card at least once a week. And I would have to order a new debit card. There's $12 for a new debit card. Oh, we gotta go down and get a new license. Where's your keys? I don't know. Where's your keys? I don't know. And so finally it came to head. I was like, we have to do something about this. So we got him this little, you know, this case for his phone that held his stuff in. If you give it, if you link it to the phone, the teenager will never lose it. There's a hint. Sure enough, never lost his debit card license again. And then I, I had him every time. I say, as soon as he came in the door, put your keys on the hook, put your keys on the hook to a point where he, I didn't have to say it anymore. He just automatically, right now he's off at college. His keys are on the hook. He never lost his wallet or his keys again. I'm losing it once a week. But what, what I saw in a young man who grew up a little bit, I was like, huh, there's some maturity there. He's grown. It brings me joy. How much more our Heavenly Father when he looks down and says, look at that, a little taller, two inches, three inches. It's the delight of the Father, right, who cares about the growth of his children and it pleases him. And so if that's the heart of, of God, that he wants us to walk worthy of our calling of the gospel of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, Big question is what? Then how do we grow? Because it don't just happen. And it, it don't just happen because you're getting older. Because some of the most grumpy, miserable Christians have been people in church for 40 years. So it don't just happen just because you've been, in, you've been a Christian for 40 years. How do you grow? This is what First 9 tells us. All right? He says, and so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. What? Asking that you will be filled. And the word for filled means to be filled completely so it's overflowing and notice it's not in the active voice meaning you're not doing the action you are on the receiving end it's what we call the passive voice so that not that you fill yourself but that you are filled that something is filling you uh, with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding the the idea he's, he's praying is like here's what I'm praying Right? I want you to, to know God's will, that you be filled with God's will and spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. These two words, understanding, spiritual wisdom and, and understanding, they're synonymous almost. One deals with, with the wisdom of how to ap- apply things. The other thing is, is, very, is in decision making. So they're, very, they're related to each other. Notice they're spiritual though. They come from the spirit. It's not just merely information. I mean, you can unpack the doctrine of the Trinity, and you can tell me when you think Jesus is coming back and all about the millennial kingdom, and you can unpack Calvinism and the election and, and all these election and doctrine of election and sovereignty of God, and I don't care how much information you have, but if you drive to the Chick-fil-A drive through and they forget your Chick-fil-A sauce and you lose your mind, and you're like, yeah, my pleasure, my rear end, if that's you, then I don't care how well you know the doctrine of the Trinity, you are not wise in understanding because that's not who God is. So it's not merely knowledge. It's knowing God so well that it, that it changes you. It's, it's knowing his heart, his, his will, his spiritual will, right? And, he's, and it's all about relationship. The idea of Proverbs 9 uses these two words, same words, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's all about relationship and knowledge. So if you say, how do I know, how do I know his will? How do I have that spiritual wisdom and understanding? It's real radical, ready? You know how you know his will? You know him. You know him, I think I skipped the thing. Ooh, there it is. You know him. It is a relational intimacy piece. Draw near to God, draw near to you. Right, And we, this is where we flip it in the church. And this is why you gotta grasp this. What we do is we say, okay, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna walk worthy. I'm gonna be nice. I'm gonna be a Christian. I'm gonna do good. I'm gonna be kind. And then as a result, I'll know God. God will be happy with me. God will love me. God will be pleased with me because I'm gonna go do this. And, and what he is saying is the opposite. No, the worthy walk, balancing the scales, growing is a result of knowing him. I pray that you be filled with the knowledge of your will so as now what happens is I walk worthy because I know who he is. It's all relational. It's drawing near to him. That's, you cannot do it on your own. That's why it's in the passive voice. It doesn't say that, I, that you would fill yourselves with the knowledge of his will. No, that you would be filled 
that he would be filling you. How does that happen? In relationship. And the only way a relationship can be built, y'all, one way is time. Bottom line, time. One of my, one of the things that, that makes me sad about this generation right now is, they, is, that they're all, is that relationships are all here. BRB, OMG. This is relationship, right? Texting, DMing, Snapchatting, somethinging, right? Whatever the next thing is. And I'm like, that's not relationship. I said, it, it, it makes my soul sad that you will never know, teenager, even young college student, what it's like to grab the phone with a cord and go around the corner so that you can't see and lie on the floor for three hours and talk to a buddy, right, for three hours. And then you hear that dreaded call waiting, that beep, and you're like, ah, oh. and this is before caller ID, so you didn't know who it is, so you had to get it because it might be for your mom because your mom gets mad if you don't answer. Hold on, it's my it's, it's, other line. Hi, it's Aunt Sally. Hey, hey Jimmy, has, is, is your mom there? Yes, hold on. Sorry, I gotta go, it's for my mom, right? But the idea of time and relationship and long distance calls that cost something. 10 cents a minute, 15 cents a minute. I used to rack up $150, $200 phone bills when I was dating my wife and we lived three hours away. I, it wounds me, you'll never know this, young people. Okay, it wounds me. You can just see them on the phone. But the key is, it's relationship. And relationship takes time. Jesus spends three and a half years with a bunch of dudes and some ladies building into them, teaching them, walking with them, eating with them, laughing with them, praying with them. It was time. How did you build a relationship with your spouse? Time, your kids, time, your best friends, time. Relationships take time, right? And so the question is this, how have you been cultivating your relationship with the God of the universe? And we're gonna see next week this how, how humbling this ought to be for us because we're gonna see how grand and majestic the Lord Jesus is. But you have a God who says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice or woman and opens the door, I will come in and I will dine with him. This is not a salvation verse, it's a fellowship verse. He said, I'm standing there knocking at the door of my church and I'm wanting my people to open the door because I want to come in and I want to dine and I want to eat and I want to have relationship. That's, that's the heart of God, right? And I tell you, when you open that door and, and you dine with him, it brings the father joy. How do I know? Because when my kids do, it brings me joy. I get my oldest one off to college last week. It's been a week and two days. If you, if you know anything about my oldest, and most of you don't because he's just quiet, he is self-sufficient. It would not shock me and my wife if we didn't hear from him one time and he showed up on December 24th like, hey, how are you? And everything was fine. That's just his personality. He just is, that's just the way he is. But last week, he texted me several times without me texting him first just to let, talk to me. Right, one time he's like, hey, I dropped this class, I did this, blah, 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 blah. And then another time he sent me a text and said, hey, did you see what happened to, to Spider-Man and Marvel and Sony? And I, by the way, that is a crime. <laughs> but see, that was our thing, was movies. He's just reaching out and talking to me and, and having a relationship unsolicited. Man, it, was, it brought me joy. If that's me, broken, sinful dad, imperfect, selfish, prideful, how much when we, when we say to God, when we draw near to God and he delights in his children? See, that's what I want you to grasp. That's what I want us to get. It's time. And so just some thoughts on time. Prayer. It's just talking to God. It doesn't have to be in a closet. It can be in the car. One of the things that I've been able to do just recently is as I'm waking up in the morning is even if I don't want to wake anybody up or even at night going to bed, I'll, I'll kind of in my mind just be praying going to sleep. You know, God can read your thoughts, just so you know, good and bad. So you don't have to say it out loud for God to hear. Like, God, did you hear that? I was whispering. He can read your mind. You can pray and meditate in your heart into him and he gets it. It's practical. In the car, right? Pray, go for a walk. Just communicate. It doesn't have to be 60 hours of prayer, but talking, right? I think the reason why we don't pray 
honestly, at least in my, my own life, is because I'm not dependent. That's the reason I don't pray as much as I should. And what, this past week, I've prayed more for my son consistently, maybe in my entire life, because he's off at school. But what's that show? When he's at home, God, I don't need you. When he's at home, I got this. But when he goes off to college, then I need you. That's, that's silly. That's dumb. I needed him just as much when he was living above my garage and I, when he's living in Marietta. Right? But I need, it's the idea that we're dependent. So if you're, if you're thinking, where, where I don't pray, because you pray, you're not dependent. You don't need God. You got this. You got your job. You got your school. You got your boyfriend. You got your relationship. You got your marriage. You got your kids. And I think, no, we don't. But God delights it when we talk to him. He knows what you're going to say before you say it. You don't need to be worried. But he delights. I think another way we build relationship and time is, is with listening. I'm not a great listener. I got ADD. I like to talk. So being quiet for like 60 seconds is very difficult. All right? Getting in the car. What do we do? We jump in the car. Serious XM. 80s on 8. 70s on 7. 50s on some of you. 5. You know, whatever. We, we always are filling our mind instead of just being quiet. It's hard for us to be quiet. And so I would really encourage you, get some quiet time. Not, not quiet time like my Bible says. Get some time where you can just be quiet before the Lord and listen. A couple times this week I went for a walk or a run and I usually put music in my ear or a book or something. I always got something and I didn't. Just me and my thoughts. And I was amazed how many times my, God just kind of brought things to mind, even for this sermon when I just quieted, that you'll start recognizing the gentle blowing of the spirit moving or speaking. And a big way for us to spend time is, is obviously read scripture, is to memorize scripture. Again, our booklets every week give you one or two little verses to memorize from our sermon so you kind of grasp it. It's a great way to know the heart of God. Romans 12, 2. They'll be conformed to this world, be transformed. How? Renewing of your mind. What's the result? That you may know what the will of God is. Same as this. If you start memorizing scripture, it's amazing. Again, this is a great, this is the way I go to sleep a lot of nights. We're trying to memorize a lot of Colossians. And so I'll just start reciting Colossians. Next thing I know, I'm out. I mean, not that it's boring, but it's a good way to go to sleep. Memorizing scripture, just going through it in your mind and I drift off. It's renewing my mind. This is Joshua 1.8. This book of the law, the part, not the part of your mouth, meditate on it day and night. I'm just applying it. But it's, it's a way to just, just be knowing what God says. How can a young man keep his way pure? Keeping it according to your word. Your word I have treasured in my heart. I might not sin against you. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Then you're gonna be encouraging one another. You're gonna be worshiping. You're gonna be thankful. It's, it's, some of you are binging five hours a day on Netflix and Amazon Prime and, and Fox News. You need to be renewing your mind because you are being lied to all over the place. Images, this, this is how marriage looks. This is how this, this is what. You need to, you need to know truth. You need to know the word of God. You cannot do that if you don't spend time. So I just wanna encourage you, man. Take that booklet, memorize just the verses we got. It doesn't take much. Renew your mind. Right? You'll know what is good. Your spiritual diet is important and God speaks through his word. And I, know, I know this is very churchy. I get it, by the way. Like, oh, read your Bible and pray. Oh, I have, that's original, Fowler. Come up with something new. I've tried that before. It doesn't work. Right? I've done it before. It doesn't work. Maybe it didn't work before. didn't work. Because you were doing it because you're a good Christian. And you've been told ever since your Campus Crusade days, your FCA days, your your Baptist Bible study days, that you ought to be reading your Bible and praying. And so you're checking a box and you're just reading the scripture and you're praying. Why? Because that's what we do. Maybe if you change the point, I'm not gonna come just to check off a box. I'm gonna come to know God. God, I need you to speak into my heart because I'm struggling with this. God, I need direction on this business decision. God, I need to know what I should do with this relationship. Maybe if you come to know God rather than to check a box, maybe there'll be some difference because that's the point. That's where the worthy walk, that's where growth comes from, is from knowing him. You wanna know his will? Know him. And you'll be amazed at the difference. So how do we grow? By knowing him. What are the measurables then? What are the lines on the wall? You grew two inches, you grew three. 
that these participles that kind of intend the second half of 10 all the way to the end, it's gonna tell you what growth looks like. And, and I hesitate to even work through them because I know us as Southerners, I just don't want you to walk out of this room saying, well, great, I'm just gonna go do, 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 do. I'm gonna go do all these things that Fowler said and miss the point of the relationship. So promise me, nod your head if you promise me you're gonna focus on it. Okay, good, some of you are awake. Okay, good, just making sure. I don't want you to jump just to action. I want you to jump to this being flowing out of your walk with Jesus. But he's gonna give us four things, four kind of tests. And, and you can use these to say, hey, am I growing? I'd encourage you to. Because you can be shrinking. Physically, oh, I'm shrinking. But you can be shrinking spiritually. And so we wanna be growing. So he's gonna give us four things, four participles to define what growth looks like. Number one, bearing fruit in every good work. He said, I'm gonna pray you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects. Number one, that you're bearing fruit in every good work. One of the signs that you are growing, one of the measurables that, look, look, I've, I've, I've gotten taller, is that you're demonstrating good works in your life. You were created for good works, which Christ prepared beforehand that you may walk in them. Right? Abide in me and you will bear much fruit, is what Jesus says. Now the fear is this, that some of you, again, you're gonna get your little three by five car out and say, okay, fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Tomorrow, I'm gonna go be gentle. Be kind. I'm gonna be kind tomorrow. And you're, you can do it yourself and that's not this. This is not behavior management, try real hard. It's actually the opposite. The idea is, if you abide in me, there's relationship, you bear much fruit, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. It's not, I'm gonna go be fruit. I, I can't go be fruit any more than I can go, I'm gonna grow four inches tonight, you just watch. I'm gonna eat real healthy and drink a lot of water and take some vitamin C and I'm gonna wake up five foot 10. Can I do that? No, just like you can't go out and manufacture fruit. Fruit is the end result, right? So you, you can, an orange tree produces a, an orange, but that's the end result. It's first and foremost gotta have the nature of an orange tree, and then it's gotta have some sun, some good nutrients, some water, and after time, that orange tree produces an orange as the end result. What's fruit look like in my life? You wanna be gentle? Spend some time with the, with the one who says, I am humble and gentle. And over time, you will start seeing gentleness because you know him. And so when you go to the Cracker Barrel, like we did last week, and they tell you we are out of mashed potatoes. How does the Cracker Barrel run out of mashed potatoes? It's like running out of water, okay? You can't do that. And so instead of responding like, all right, you're 20% just went down to 10%, lady. There's a gentleness. And I will take an extra order of dumplings instead, thank you very much, and so that's what I did, which is just as good. But because I am walking with Christ, I'm gonna respond with gentleness even though I really love mashed potatoes from Cracker Barrel, right? I do, I mean, I really do. I can respond with gentleness. When you make a mistake at work, you don't have to cover it up and lie and whatever. You can say, I'm wrong, I'll fix this, right? I'm not gonna shift blame, I'm gonna own it. Why, because I'm gonna show humility because I'm walking with Jesus and he was humble and he was gentle. When you see a need in your community group, in the body, you see a need on the screen, hey, we need tutors, and you have the capability of meeting that need, you're not gonna be what James says, go in peace, be warm and filled. What good is that, James says? You have a need and you can meet that need and you don't need to meet the need, then, you, then you're, you're fruitless. But you see a need, this person needs an extra car. This person needs an extra, you know, whatever. This person needs me to drive, babysit. I don't know. And you have the ability to meet that need and you move the need. That is a good deed. Why? Because Jesus met my need. And it's tied to him, right? You, you see a person that's sitting alone at lunch or you see someone who's been made fun of and you step in there because God is the defender of the weak or you're gonna, you're gonna be an inviter, you're gonna be hospitable because of your relationship with Jesus. The ref blows a call. This is a big one for some of y'all. Soccer ref, football ref, volleyball ref, baseball ump, whatever, blows a call. You don't blow your top. He's making 10 bucks an hour anyway. That's why he's not at the pros, right? But after the game, instead of going up and giving him a piece of your mind, you're gonna say, hey, thanks for, for serving here. It's hard to be a ref in this town, especially at Calvary. Those people are pagans, I'm telling you. And I'm one of them. Um, 
it's hard, but you're gonna be kind. Why? Because God was kind to you even though you made error. There's a, look, there's a million different applications for good works. Christians should care about good works, but not to earn God's favor. It's because of who they are in Christ. Even the Old Testament teaches this. What does Micah say? He has told you, O man, what is good, what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly. Here's the relational piece. You walk humbly with your God and then you do justice and kindness. It's, 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 it's been consistent through the scripture. But one of the signs is, hey, I'm showing good fruit in my life. That's a measurable, right? There's, there's fruit. Second one, increasing in the knowledge of God. Not that you're just a bunch of smart theology, whatever, but that you are actually knowing God better is the idea, right? Because you've been spending time with him and you know his heart and so you understand what he says. This is what, you know, the Bible talks about going from meat to milk to meat, right? A baby drinks milk, that's normal, and even when they're six months, eight months old, okay, they're drinking you know, milk or juice out of the sippy cup, right? You do not bring your six month in and say, hey, let's go get the kid some perk. We'll get some perk and give the kid coffee, right? Isn't that good? Give them that hot cup. Let them, let them hold the hot cup. What's gonna happen? They're not ready for it. They're gonna get burned. On the flip side, if I see a 50-year-old dude sitting out there and he has a sippy cup and he's drinking juicy juice and milk, that dude is messed up. And I'm gonna say, you need to put the sippy cup down and get you some coffee, sir, all right? You should be drinking coffee by now. The idea is some of you have been saved long enough, you should be at a no truth from error. You shouldn't be, be deceived by every wind of doctrine. You should be able to take this young couple and say, hey, I've been married 22 years. Here's some things I've done really poorly. Here's what the Bible says. Here's where I would go differently. Here's what I would do with my kids. Here, I'm a business owner as a Christian. Here's some principles that you should know that scripture teaches because you wanna be a business owner. You should be able to do that. Why? Because you know God better. It's a sign that you're growing, right? And it's a measurable, so to speak. And it's not just information, it's knowing God. Next one, that you are strengthened or being strengthened with all power. You're not strengthening yourself. It's again, passive. You are getting strength from someone else, someone with glorious might. We'll see that next week. Why? For endurance and patience. Endurance is a word that means uh, difficult, dealing with difficult circumstances. Patience is a, a word that deals with difficult people. Any of you have difficult circumstances or people in your life, right? Don't even look next door to you, right? You know? But the idea is this, a, a measurable is how do you hand, handle a difficult boss? How do you handle that? How do you handle a difficult teenager? Or flip side, a challenging parent. How do you handle a, a challenging season in your marriage? And there will be those. How do you handle betrayal? When just when you think you got over that issue, it's been a year, but then you run into that person who you know has talked to that person and you know they know all this stuff and, it's, and there's this, they look at you in a different way and that wound is reopened. How do you deal with that? Right? How do you deal with a tough situation? Cancer. Infertility. Being single when you don't want to be. Being dumped. Losing your job. Fill in the blank. Right? Where do you run is the point. And he says a, a measurable of your growth is in that moment, you are being sustained in the valley of the shadow of death. You are being comforted, why? By his rod and his staff. That's relationship. It's relational. Where do you run? How, how, do, you, how, how do you maneuver that deal? The idea is you cannot do it yourself, nor were you meant to, Right? The idea is, is you run to him. And one of the marks of growth is that you're able to not just survive, but even thrive in that moment because you're getting your strength from him. I wish, I wish to goodness that God just removed all pain and suffering. He hasn't. I wish to goodness he would just make life, life one big roller coaster, fun, fun, fun. But he hasn't. Remember, we have a savior who is a man of sorrows, but at the same time, he's filled with joy. He says, where do you go in those challenging times? And here's the last measurable. Well, I think I put that up already. Uh, endurance in challenging times. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance and patience. 
And then this, this phrase, with joy, remember, there's no punctuation in the original Greek, no verse divisions. The with joy actually goes with the giving thanks. So it's the with joy, giving thanks to the Father. That's, that's the, the fourth participle. With joy, giving thanks. And, and just an easy measurable is there's increasing joy and thankfulness. Right? You're growing up when you have joy. You're growing up when you're thankful. We've all been the kid or had a kid where mom brings out some asparagus or something you don't like and the kid says, I don't like that, I don't want that. And what's the response of every mom in America? There's starving kids living somewhere that would love to have that. And then there's a response of every kid in America, then just send it on to them. And what we would say is that's a, that's a childish kid response, right? They need to grow up. They do. But it's the same thing I see in adults and in my own heart when it's, well, why don't you take me to the Bahamas? They got to go to the Bahamas for two weeks and three months, and that's just after they went to Aspen last winter, and blah, 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 blah. And we all, we get to go to Tybee. They go to the Colorado, go figure. Or my cabinets don't look like their cabinets. My countertops are 12 years old, and the AC's not cold enough, and the kids are not nice enough, and I'm not fit enough, and blah, 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 we go down the line, Right? Same thing. And a growing people, and you want to know if you're growing a measurable, is that you are not always thinking about what you do not have. And you are thankful for what you do. That's a growing person. Right? Because guess what? You're, you're complaining about your kids. There's people in this church that are dying to have children. You're complaining about your house and it's not big enough and it's not cool enough. There's people that are living in a one bedroom and would love to have a 1,300 square foot house. You're complaining about your car because it doesn't have leather. There's people that are like, I'm driving a 1986 Chevy, right? So be thankful for what you have. It's a sign of growing. How do we do that? He tells us, right? He says, you're thankful uh, you're giving thanks to the Father. Why? Because your position, who are you? Your position drives your practice, right? Too often, we let our circumstances just take, dictate our joy. So in a couple of weeks when the Georgia football season starts, I'm anxious to see what happens on a Sunday morning if y'all happen to lose a game because half of you walk down the aisle, you're miserable. You are cursing Kirby smart under your breath thinking about how he should have run this play instead of that play and, and you can't even sing a song. Because Kirby blew the game, right? And, and your whole life ra is wrapped around that. And he says, no, no, no. You gotta go to something greater than that. You cannot invite Georgia football into your heart. It will send you to Sportel. <laughs> okay? There's gotta be something greater than that. What is greater than that? Your position. What did God do? He qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. You were disqualified, you were unqualified, you were inadequate. It's like when you get on a plane, and if you're like me, and you're like, okay, my seat is number 3004B, and you walk a mile to the back of the plane, but they make you, it's just something cynical about the airlines. They could have put the daggum door in the middle of the plane, they put it in the front, so you have to walk through first class and see the lounge chairs and the saunas and the champagne and all the food, and you're like, yeah, I'm in 3004B. But what, what the, the idea here is that God has taken you for 3,004B, you Mr. Economy sitting in the restroom, and he's put you in the front. He's qualified you. You are now adequate to be first class. He has given you the inheritance of the saints of light. So if you, are, if you inherit the kingdom of heaven, why are you arguing about your 87 Chevy is the point. It's got to be something greater. He's qualified you. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He's come on a rescue mission at his great cost. He rescued you. He delivered you out of danger. Then he transfers you to his home. You had no future. Now you have a future. You had no hope. Now you have a hope. He's, he's put you in his kingdom where you have redemption. You've been bought. You are paid with a price, a huge price, the blood of Jesus. You were a slave. Now you're free. You have forgiveness of sins, he says. The debt you could not pay has been paid by someone else. The, the, the wage of your sin is death someone else took. Now you have released, and it's not just that he's forgiven you, it's as if you've never even sinned. You have the righteousness of Jesus. You have a new identity, you have a new inheritance, you have a new future. So he says, 
You know how you can have joy even in the midst of you not getting the test scores you want so you're not gonna get into the school you want? You know how you can have joy even though you don't have the job that you want? It's because you have a future and a hope. And there's something bigger than just here, Georgia football, whatever, that your hope is tethered to. He said, that's how you can have joy. And when you do that, that's a sign of growth. So it's a measurable. You're joyful, you're thankful, you're increasing in better knowledge of God, you're bearing fruit, you're doing good, but it's all related back to Jesus and how you walk with him. So we're gonna worship, and I've gone over, and I'm sorry, that's what you get for coming to second service. I'm, more, I'm better at first service than I am second, I ain't lying. But here's what I want us to do. Just take a moment. Some of you, if you're honest, you are far off from God right now. You know, you've been a Christian 15 years, but you're distant and you know it. Just take this 30 seconds, a minute, as we kind of prepare to sing. Just picture yourself as the prodigal son and it's time for you to run home. Because you're gonna find a father who is willing to throw the robe on you and put the ring on you and kill the fattened calf because that's the kind of father he is. And maybe you're here and you're not a Christian at all. You have questions. Man, we would love to talk with you. There's some people in the hall that would love to pray for you, whatever the need is. But you have a a God in heaven who desires to know you and he's made that possible by sending his son to pay for the punishment of your sin deserves. And through faith in him, you can experience eternal life. Whatever your need is, we wanna meet it. But just just take 30 seconds a minute as I pray. And I'll ask Gardner, you bring your your team up and we'll, we'll worship just a couple songs. But just spend 30 seconds, a minute in the quiet of your heart you can stay seated and, and, and they'll have you stand when it's just time to sing. And just, God, I'm, I'm far. I want to be near. Draw near to God. He promises. He says, I promise. You draw near to me, I will draw near you. And that is his heart. That's the desire of our fathers. Let me pray and we'll sing. Father in heaven, I ask you, just in this few moments we have left before we leave, to draw people to yourself. When the Son of Man was lifted up, You said you draw all men to yourself. And so I pray you would draw your church, even those who are distant right now, who are running or hiding or whatever, that they don't have to hide. They don't have to fear condemnation because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That we will be a church that's just carrying the weight of who we are and balancing out the scales. That's your desire. I pray that we do it for Christ's sake.